0: So there was this um, article that was in the Washington Post. I think it was about <clears throat> 15 years ago, and it was kind of a big deal. Uh, it won it won the Pulitzer Prize, and um, it was based on this experiment that was done in Washington D.C. And they were trying to talk about or uh, study the, uh, the I guess like the concept of awareness. Like, how aware are people? Um, the things that we recognize, and also the opposite, like the things that we miss, times when we just were unaware of something that's happening in our midst. It was kind of interesting. What they did was, uh, it all took place in a subway, this experiment in DC on their metro system. And uh, they did it at rush hour, they brought in a uh, camera crew, uh, but all um, kind of uh, undercover, so nobody would, nobody would see the, any of this being filmed. And then they enlisted the help of this guy, his name is Joshua Bell. Um, anybody know who he is? Yeah, somebody, tell me, who is he? <laughs> yeah, he's a violinist. Um, I didn't know that, but um, clearly most of you guys didn't either, Um, but uh, I think, right? But it was, um, apparently he's fantastic, right? Kind of this world-class classical violinist, he's a child prodigy, and he's really considered I guess one of the best in the world, so they asked him to help with this experiment So what he did was he goes to the subway and he's dressed in completely regular clothes. He's wearing a baseball hat and jeans and a hoodie. And so he's kind of also undercover. And he starts to play his violin. Uh, It was a a violin worth $3 million, by the way. And uh, he plays for about 45 minutes. And he's just playing this beautiful, like timeless music, it's on YouTube classical Bach and he, there's a, a point where he plays uh, Ave Maria and the point of the experiment was like I said awareness so will people notice the beautiful music in fact the name of the experiment was, was called stop and hear the music experiment well they didn't <laughs> they really didn't much at all uh, he played for 45 minutes Uh, 1,100 people passed by in that time, it was rush hour. Seven people stopped to listen. Um, So you had this, one of the premier musicians in the world playing some of the most beautiful music in the world on a $3 million violin, and seven people out of 1,100 noticed. Which was kind of what they expected. Um, although it was worse, it was worse. They didn't think it would be that bad. They thought more than seven would have been like, wow, like this is beautiful. They might not know who he was, but they would have appreciated the music. In the article in the Post, the Washington Post, there was a, a poem that the writer, he references a line in this poem. It was a, a Welch poet. I'm not even sure who the guy was. But this was is, this is the line. What is this life if so full of care we have no time to stand and stare? And that's kind of the point of the experiment. Like what if, what if our lives are so busy, so full that we have no time to stand and to stare? To recognize, in this case, the beautiful music and the point of the, the experiment is kind of like, well, we're, number one, we're just, we're too busy. We're so preoccupied, we're so on the move, we're so multitasking, we're so attached to devices that we miss stuff. We regularly miss things that should not be missed. Um, and it's got, I would say, it's got like really bad implications for faith. We miss God at work in our lives. You know, if you were on that subway, you think you would have missed it? You think you would have stopped and been like, wow, this is worth a couple of minutes here. Um, You know who wouldn't have missed it? I think John the Baptist and the other guys in this gospel Andrew, Peter, they didn't miss Jesus. I don't think they would have missed the violin guy Um, because these guys were on, they were always searching. They were always kind of looking for God. Literally, they were looking for him. So I just think there was probably, they had this kind of searching openness instinct to God appearing to them. It's kind of what these readings this morning, they're all talking about it. They're all talking about us being called, God calling out to us in a million different ways. The first reading from the Old Testament, this guy Samuel, I think he would have have caught the guy on the subway too. Maybe not right away. We just heard his story. His took a bit of a while, a couple of tries. God keeps calling him. He keeps thinking it's the other guy in the other room, Eli. But after the third try, it dawns on him or he's, he's told, hey, it's not me, it's probably God who's speaking to you. So he got it eventually. I don't know, so maybe if, if he was in the subway, he would've walked past, gone down a couple of steps and then stopped and maybe turned around. I mean, wait a minute. And he would've gone back up and he would've caught it eventually. They had kind of an advantage. James, I mean, uh, John and and Andrew and Peter. Because Jesus was there. Like he was right there, literally. John's like, look, there he is. It wasn't like, think of a a concept of Jesus. It wasn't imagine him or pray to him. It was like, "Look, look, he's right there. And then Andrew goes up to him and he goes, where are you staying? So these guys were lucky. They had like back and forth conversations with God. We're not so lucky, right? Even a guy like Samuel, like it took him a while, it was more subtle. Was it a dream he was having? It says he was sleeping, was, he, was it a dream? Was it, little? I don't know, maybe it was. Was it like an actual voice that he was, was waking him up? I mean, who knows? Hey, God can call out to us any way he wants. Like who are we to sort of narrow the ways in which God chooses to operate and reach out and call us? He does it, I think, all the time in lots of ways to all of us. Problem is, I think we're a lot like those people on the subway, like we're just, we miss it. And I think there's the challenge for us Don't miss him when he's calling. Don't be those people on that subway. They missed out. And hey, when we miss out on a consistent way, it's easy to then lose faith. Because I'm just not kind of feeling God. I'm not hearing him. I'm not seeing him. I'm not connecting. Hey, how many of you know... This guy, James Corden. Hey, Billy, raise your hand. We have more than the violin guy here, let's see. Yeah, all right, some people know him. He's, um, he was the host of The Late Late Show, which I think went off the air about a year ago. Uh, I don't think I literally ever saw The Late Late Show, but I kind of know who he is. He's in, I see him on commercials, he's a British guy, he's a comedian, he's kind of comical, at least the, the little I've seen of him. Well, on the show, the late, late show, there was this uh, segment that they used to do, kind of this recurring segment. It's called uh, Carpool Karaoke, guys, some of you. Um, That's a lot more popular than the violin stuff, I guess, right? (laughs) Well, it's a really interesting segment. Uh, what, What he does is this, if you don't know about it. He's in a car. And the premise is this, he's looking to carpool to work. It's ridiculous. And because he wants to get in the HOV lane so he can get to work fast. So he's looking for people to drive with him. So what he does is he gets these famous, very famous musicians and singers to, you know, in theory, carpool with him. It's a joke, they're really not. But they really are in a car and it's really being filmed and they're really driving around. So these famous people get in the car. Sometimes he pretends he's, he's, look, he's lost and he's looking for directions. And then some famous person like Madonna shows up. She sits in the, sits in the front seat and they start driving around and uh, they start listening to the famous person's music, karaoke, so they start singing along. So it's crazy. Um, I and mean, then he kind of interviews the person throughout. Anyway, this one that I saw, I just loved it. Um, he was in Liverpool and he's pretending he's looking for directions and he's talking to this person on the phone, and all of a sudden, Paul McCartney gets in the car. So now he's the guest, you realize that. So they start driving around and it's very comical. Like Paul McCartney sitting there singing along to his songs, to all these Beatles songs, and asking questions. And it's very lighthearted. But about 20 minutes into this particular segment, James Corden kind of gets serious and he says, uh, he talks about the the influence of the Beatles and how, I mean they've been around for like almost 60 years now and they still matter. They still are meaningful to people, not just older people but young people. And uh, you the camera's on McCartney and he, you can see he's kind of, seems kind of flattered by it and it gets serious. Prior to that, they're laughing and singing. And then he tells the story, McCartney, about how he wrote Let It Be. And uh, you may have heard this story. He, uh, he was saying how he was going through uh, kind of a tough time. It was toward the end of the Beatles' time. I think it was 1968, and they were really battling with each other. And he just wasn't feeling good about much. And he said he had a dream. And his mother appeared in the dream. She died a dozen years before when he was a teenager. And he said his mother had never appeared in a dream to him before. So this was big. And she's just calming him down. She's talking to him in this dream, his mother. And she's aware that he's all stressed and he's like not himself and she's just saying like Paul it's going to be okay it's going to be okay and then she says you just let it be she says, just let it be and he said he just found it so comforting he woke up and he got out of bed and he, and he wrote let, let it be and then started to put the song together I mean, just listen to these, just a part of this song. And we all know it. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Isn't that, it's like a prayer, isn't it? (laughs) Like, It totally is prayer, Mother Mary. His mother's name was Mary, McCartney's. But people are like, well, why would you, if you were writing about your mother, why would you go Mother Mary? Wouldn't you just say mother or mom? And he's been asked about it. Like he's like, were you talking about your mother, your birth mother? Were you talking about Mother Mary, the blessed mother? And he's never really answered it. He's like, it's whoever you want it to be. The dream, it was his mother, but the lyrics to the song? I mean, could God work that way? Of course God could work that God could work any way God wants to work. Could that be the way that, for whatever the reason, God said, I'm gonna gonna speak, I'm gonna call out to my people through Paul McCartney? Doesn't mean Paul McCartney's God. It means God worked through Paul McCartney. Hey, do you have to believe that? Of course not. But do you think that's possible? I totally think that's possible. Words like that, Songs like that that become timeless. I just think God continues to call out to us in lots of ways. Yeah, John the Baptist, uh, Andrew, Peter, they were very lucky. They had front row seats. They got to see him in the flesh. We're not that lucky, but we're not without. As long as we don't become the people on the subway Driven, preoccupied, overwhelmed, attached to our phone, and along the way miss out on the music, you know, and the moment. He doesn't stop calling us. I'm thinking of that, that poem and that article. What is this life if so full of care? We have no time to stand and to stare, to stare. Hey, like I you know when I was a little kid. Probably you too. Like my mother would say, "Don't stare at people." If you saw somebody who was kind of different in some way, you saw the homeless guy on the street, and you are like staring at him, and get like I get an elbow. Like, don't stare, or you know. The person with the crazy eye that kind of wanders all around and be like, don't stare. Somebody who was like terribly disabled in some way and a kid without filters kind of stares. So we're told not to stand and stare. And that makes sense, except if it's God. If it's God, stand and stare.